Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Catherine Fink Martinez is a registered dietitian and founder of confidenceineating.com. She works with women who are embarrassed about their struggle with food to teach them simple habit changes that lead to a life with more energy, happiness, and the freedom to eat the foods they truly enjoy. Catherine's expertise is helping with emotional eating and long-term post-bariatric success. She educates using the food and mood behavior connections to show how a realistic approach to nutrition is what provides a long-term improvement to both mental and physical health. She has worked in mental health facilities and eating disorder treatment centers, is a certified intuitive eating counselor, as well as a certified eating disorder specialist by the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. Catherine's also a high-energy speaker who's been quoted in dozens of health and fitness publications, including Fitness and Shape magazines. She's a contributor to professional publications and textbooks on the topic of the psychology of food and is a nutrition and culinary professor for Dallas College. Catherine complements her nutritional expertise with her personal trainer and fitness instructor certifications to bring more joyful movement in a way that gets people out of their heads, feel more comfortable in their bodies, and have more fun moving. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. My name is Christy Wilbanks, and I'm excited to be one of the community hosts for this podcast. I am a 200-hour registered yoga teacher, certified health coach, certified behavior change specialist, and certified group exercise instructor. I have a master's degree in psychology and extensive experience in human resources and corporate wellness. I am also a mom to two teenagers and two rescue dogs and an avid reader. Enough about me. Let me introduce my esteemed guest and fabulous friend, Catherine Fink-Martinez. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. Nice to be here. I know. I've been really excited, looking forward to our conversation. Yes, super excited. This has been a long time in the works, so I'm glad that we are finally getting this done. I know. So I'm going to share a little bit about our history together, and then we'll dive into talking about our stories. So we met about 10 years ago when we both were teaching at the YMCA. We were teaching group exercise classes. I have a terrible memory. So do you think it's about 10 years? Yeah, I think it's about 10 years. Okay, yeah. Seemed, seemed about right. And then you started coming to my yoga classes. We started getting to know each other better. We bonded over motherhood struggles, life challenges, our interests in health and fitness. And over the years, we've become really good friends. But I do feel like during our conversation today, we'll probably learn a few new things about each other. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So in today's episode, we'll share, as I mentioned, about our stories, including history with our health, body image, food, 
exercise, and maybe how our views on these topics have changed over time. And let me add, just in case listeners think they can't relate to us since we're both fitness professionals, I don't know about you, but there definitely have been times in my life when I did struggle with uh, body image, with emotional eating, with not having motivation to exercise and move my body. So we, I don't, I don't know, have you had some of those struggles as well? Absolutely. There's one of the reasons that I became a fitness instructor and a dietitian because I thought if I just needed just a little bit more education, then I'd be able to do it better. I just needed to be taught how to do it better. And then once I had the information, then it'd be easy. I'm just lacking information, right? Right, right. If only. Yeah. Because even later in my life, when I've had all the information, I've still struggled at times. So I think that's normal. And hopefully our listeners can relate that, you know, and we can talk later about how we've overcome some of those struggles personally. Absolutely. Information is only one small piece of it. Right. Exactly. So I will talk about my early memories with struggles with, again, body image, focus on weight loss, emotional eating, a little bit. I'm not going to get too much into the eating part, but I was thinking back on what one of my early memories was of my struggles with body image. And I remembered dreaming about attending weight loss camp that I saw advertised in the back of Seventeen Magazine. Did you ever see those ads? I don't remember those ads, but I do remember Seventeen Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, so I had several magazine subscriptions. I actually had to Google it to see which magazine was it that had the weight loss ads. And I found online all, you know, all kinds of examples of the different weight loss camps that were advertised in the back of Seventeen Magazine. So now, of course, I'm horrified by that, but at the time, those ads made weight loss camp sound so fun. I grew up in a small Texas town, and I know at least one of those camps was located in California, and there were all these fun activities, so it made it sound glamorous and exciting. And of course, you know, unfortunately, as a preteen and teen, I was worried about my weight, even though... I didn't need to, but that's what society has often taught us. So I was also interested in that as a goal to lose weight. So thankfully, my family didn't have enough money to send me to weight loss camp. (laughs) So I couldn't be further damaged in those areas. But I, I distinctly remember looking at those ads in the back of the magazine and wishing that I could go. From there, I graduated to an interest, a natural interest in movement. I was an athlete in middle school and high school. And in my high school biology class, my freshman biology class, I somehow convinced my biology teacher to let me study, and I use the term study lightly, study cycling and swinging on the playground swing for my biology class project. So I I know, yeah, I'm like, hmm. So I'm not sure what data I collected other than time spent riding my bike through my neighborhood, along a trail, into another neighborhood, 
swinging on the playground swings. That was an important part of the project and the most fun and riding my bike back. So I'm not sure how scientific that might be, (laughs) but I applaud my biology teacher for letting me do it because it was something I was interested in and And it was fun. It was, I know you talk about joyful movement. That to me was joyful movement. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And that's interesting because my first memory of kind of my body and introduction to trying to change because I thought that that's what would make me better was my mom was doing a weight loss program and and I can't remember how I came about it, whether I just, you know, thought, I want to do this too, and it's something we can do together. And, you know, families all want everyone to be healthier. I wasn't overweight by any means, like largely overweight. I've always been on the heavier side. That's everybody's different. So I am not a slender build. And so I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is what I need. I'll learn information. I got some great recipes. I'd like some great recipes. I remember going to meetings and Mm. being kind of a young person there. And I kind of remember that introduction. And then I remember that's kind of like the, the first itty-bitty introduction to dieting and kind of messages like that of, okay, if you just change, you'll feel better. And there was a lot of praise for a lot of the changes that you did and following specific plans kind of specifically. I'm sure there was some following of those plans and reporting some of what happened, but not really reporting all of what happens because that's typically what happens. Like, oh, I follow a plan specifically and I do all this stuff. And whether the body changes or not, the memory about kind of what happens is that I did all these specific things and the initial kind of feeling is, oh, this feels good. And people will associate that sometimes with how their body changes when a lot of times that feel good is because you were doing things like taking some time to nourish your body or move your body in a way that feels good. But it gets interpreted like, oh, you're feeling great because you've lost weight. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the beginning of that weird and interesting mix of messages for me. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom was very focused on losing weight as well. So I have a lot of those similar memories. I think most of us probably were influenced by our moms. All right. There's, and how can you not be in today's society? There is this thought that everyone, you know, that there's a specific diet. Like, what diet are you doing? What are you following? If there's any changes, like, oh, what did you do? I need to do this. And a lot of people become experts because they've done it themselves. So therefore, they think that, just follow this plan and you can do well. And anyone can follow a diet plan. Anyone can lose weight. That's not really what this is all about because then what happens and at what sacrifice and what is not shared? Mm-hmm. And how do you want to live your life? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not measuring foods or running. <laughs> I was a runner at one point, but not anymore. It no longer feels good to my body. <laughs> So yeah, as we've gotten older and hopefully wiser, we've learned there's a better way. There's a healthier way for mental health, for quality of life, for physical health. There's a better way. But back when we were teenagers, we didn't know yet. (laughs) 
and we knew everything, so you couldn't tell us. <laughs> That's true. Even if someone told us, we wouldn't have believed them. Yeah. So I, I do want to mention that after, oh, so my biology teacher, who was so kind to let me do that crazy project, also gave me my first introduction to structured aerobics. She gave me, so this is back in 1987 or 1988, so I don't know if you had any experience like this. We're about the same age. She gave me a cassette tape and a workbook with pictures of exercises. So I put the cassette tape in my stereo tape player and pulled out my workbook in my bedroom and did my workouts. Did you ever do anything like that? I don't remember anything like that. Yeah. I, oh, I guess I was only introduced to that because she let me borrow it, so I wouldn't have found that on my own. But from there, I progressed, and I'm sure you, you might have an experience related to this. I progressed to Jane Fonda's workout challenge video. So I, I borrowed it or rented it, the video, from the local video store, and I loved it so much that I bought it from them so I could do it on a regular basis. Did you ever do any Jane Fonda or any of the other Buns of Steel or any of those? I remember seeing Richard Simmons on TV, mm. kind of some of that information. My, my journey with fitness took a while before I came along to starting fitness. I was quite a bit older before I got into the aerobics and fitness industry. I actually had just become a dietitian, had started exercising at a gym and thought, oh, this will be a great compliment. And I had made lots of kind of changes at the gym and kind of just learned about moving your body, but it was a little bit later. But I do remember wearing those horrible teaback leotards. Yes. What are you thinking? Ooh. I know. <laughs> See, I knew we would learn things about each other. This is great. Yeah. On one hand, I wish I had some pictures of some of the outfits that I wore, and I would definitely love to have some video when I was teaching as an early aerobics instructor. But on the other hand, it's probably best that I don't have any evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So a little bit of trivia, I, um, a little side note, a little tidbit. I read a book called Let's Get Physical, How Women Discovered Exercise and Reshaped the World by Danielle Friedman. It's very interesting, at least to someone like me and, and working in this industry. But she talks about the history of women's workout culture and says that Jane Fonda's workout video, which I didn't have the, the original workout video, I guess my video store didn't have that one. So I had to progress to the workout challenge right away. But that video was the number one selling VHS or video cassette tape back in the day for almost an entire year. And they say she's actually, Jane Fonda's actually credited with the beginning or the explosion of the home entertainment industry. Because before then, People didn't need to buy a VCR and a, a, a video cassette tape, you know. They just would watch the movie on TV or at the movies. But the fitness industry propelled that entertain, home entertainment industry, which I found to be quite interesting. Yes, that is interesting. I've heard that. Yeah. So anyway, just a little side note. From Jane Fonda's workout video... 
I then progressed to live aerobics classes. So when I went away to college, my freshman year, of course, I gained some weight. I wasn't moving like I was in high school. Like I said, I was an athlete. I wasn't engaging in regular physical activity as much. I wasn't eating healthy. So I started going to the aerobics classes at the university's recreation center and, of course, fell in love and thought, hmm, I can do that. I could teach those classes. So the spring of my freshman year, I auditioned and was selected. And then when I returned to school in the fall, the next fall semester, I was started, I started teaching the aerobics classes and, and the rest is history, right? I've been teaching. I usually, when someone asks me, I'll usually say over 25 years, but if we want to really be honest, it's actually 30 or coming up on 30 years now that I've been teaching and I've taught all different kinds of formats. And as you know, over the last 10 years, I've really fallen in love with yoga and now primarily focus on yoga because it feels good. I still do other things, but primarily walking and yoga are the the two forms of movement that I, I go back to, especially when I'm struggling. And as we've talked about, my focus has changed. I don't focus on weight or size or how I look so much as how I feel and what feels good and what how I'm taking care of my body and and really tuning into my body and listening and honoring what I need. So that's my story. So go ahead and share with us your I know you shared a little bit already, but just kind of give us a little more information about your history. Sure. So as I had said, I thought I just needed to learn more information. I'd become a dietitian and I would just become healthier and I'd be able to help everybody else be healthier because I had a time in my life that that's what happened. I got out and I started working at a mental health facility and started realizing that having the information isn't enough when you have major challenges happening, when you're depressed, when you have anxiety, when you're struggling because you're going through a divorce or grief, when a lot of, when things aren't going just perfectly and you're able to follow a plan perfectly, which is such a small amount of time, then it's really, really hard. And not only the information and the things that I was telling people in the beginning, like on how to lose weight, you know, I forgive me for those of you who I really did a ton of focusing on that without really diving into how that impacted you psychologically. Because there's no doubt people can lose weight. The true thing is what happens afterwards. You have to find something that is realistic and that is sustainable. And I discovered in starting to work with people who were struggling with eating disorders and who are post-bariatric surgery that making changes like altering your body, following diets, going specifically helps for a time being. But when it's 10 o'clock at night and you're pissed because your partner is not home and you didn't get enough food earlier, no amount of information is going to stop you if your go-to that helps you feel better is food. And so that is something that keeps coming around. And if you were to say 
that you can't ever have any of your favorite foods, which is what a lot of these plans do, is they restrict certain foods. Like, yeah, I can live without it for a certain time span. And then you catch yourself getting this food because it's inevitable. How can you go without your favorite food? The mentality and the way that you're taught to think about food, it's this good food, bad food that people are taught from diets and all these different messages. And there is no good food. There is no bad food. It's all about a balance. And you can enjoy all these foods, but instead we have learned to villainize certain bodies, certain foods, certain ways of eating. And the diets and kind of the messages become like this culture. And it's a way of connection. Like people connect around like diets and that sort of thing. So once I started really understanding the psychological aspect and connecting with people to help them understand this is why it's been a struggle. And you can have all these things, but in order to make things work is you've got to find out what is important to you and how your self-care needs are. And, and that kind of brings me I'll skip ahead a little bit with I taught fitness, different realms of fitness. And when I, Christy and I really got connected, she had started doing more yoga. And I kept on saying, I know I need yoga. I know I need yoga. I was fitness. I was like step. I was doing cardio. I was doing strength training, all that stuff and saying, yeah, yeah, I need to stretch, but I would never stretch. And so I gave it, okay, she has these one month passes. So I said, okay, I'm going to join for one month and just give one month a try just to see. And the change that happened in one month of anxiety, stress, my sense of calm, my muscles weren't as tight from doing yoga. And I thought, you know, like it was all about fitness, right? But then how much it impacted me emotionally. And when, when you look at all your emotions, when they go up, a lot of people use food. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I started seeing a lot of all these connections start to unravel, I was like, oh, you know, we, we really have something. So it's kind of a big roundabout way. But because there's so much tied up with food, it's very personal. Like mm -hmm. so many people you see on social media and stuff, they say they show all this stuff like I'm doing well, I'm doing this, this is going great. They're not going to tell you that they're binging at night on ice cream. They're not going to fill, you know, give all that information. It takes really feeling comfortable and connecting with someone to tell those deep, dark struggles. And sometimes you don't even have that connection. Mm -hmm. And so through my training, I've done fitness. I also became a certified intuitive eating counselor because I'm like, okay, how do you pull all this together? Like, how do you really help people understand and get away from the diet messages? And so there's a whole practice that I had to come around to myself as a dietitian because I was a dietitian and I was struggling because I just thought you needed to control your food. Or you just needed to exercise more. But it wasn't about that. It was more connecting internally with interoceptive awareness, learning how to identify what is happening inside my body, what I am feeling, and connecting with and what my body needs, which might have been yoga, might have been movement, might be laying on the couch, could be bluebell ice cream, might be vegetables. It's really hoping to connect and identify with what I need versus what other people think I need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And following like strict, rigid rules with that. If we don't follow them, which they're not realistic. So if we don't follow them, then we feel 
guilt, we feel shame, we judge ourselves, you know, so it just becomes this cycle. Right. Because how do you, you look at a lot of these plans and the recommendations that it's the same plan for everyone. We don't know from day to day how much calorie, how many calories we need or how much food, like, and what's a, a half of a cup. The interesting thing is I was in a training with a bunch of dietitians and we all estimated, like we looked at food and we all estimated. I mean, there's no way of knowing exactly how many calories. There's no way you can live by that. But when you start connecting with your hunger and fullness and movement and what feels good for you, then you start to adapt and realize, oh, I don't have to, like, it doesn't feel good when I'm sitting all day. It doesn't feel good when I'm doing lots of hard cardio all day. It doesn't, it's really recognizing for yourself what feels good and what works and finding a way. And I'm not against, you know, people being healthier or eating any foods or even weight loss. That's not something, it's finding what's right for an individual person. It's taking the focus away from it though Mm -hmm. and starting to work and learn what works for you that feels good and mm-hmm. helps you be nice and happy around your family and is reasonable and sustainable. And that's why diets really aren't sustainable because you're never happy when you can't have, or I'm never happy when I can have blue bill. Right. You want to be able to enjoy your food, your favorite foods. You want to be able to enjoy Gathering with other people, food is such an important part of social gatherings, family time, and it's it's not as enjoyable if you feel like you can't have some of your, you know, the, the foods that you enjoy and love. Or go, if you go on vacation and you feel like you have to get up and exercise. I just went to a, a trip on Rome, like, like, there was no exercise, got plenty of it, you know, but it, it's... Finding routines that work for you and also that help support your overall health in many other ways and allow you to go out to eat with friends. I love going out to eat with Chrissy because we can sit down and like, okay, what are we going to eat today? What are we going to order? We want, okay, we have to have room for dessert. So we're not going to over order here because we want to make sure that we can kind of take it all in. It's the whole experience that the food is a connection also. Mm-hmm. And a cocktail. You got to have a cocktail <laughs> or a glass and of wine. Satisfaction kind of pulls all that in because, you know, boring chicken breast and boring salad without dressing is not satisfying. Right. Exactly. Well, we are going to wrap up here pretty soon, but you've shared some wonderful advice and tips and hopefully we'll get people thinking in a different way and maybe taking small steps toward changing their focus so that they can be healthier and also happier and enjoy the foods that they love. So Catherine, where can people find you? So you can find me at my website. My business is confidenceineating.com. I've got some free resources available there for you to help put self-care practices into action. And it's connected to my social media channels also. So confidenceineating.com and those resources are at the links channel, little links ending. Excellent. All right. And people can find me on my website at christywilbanks.com at christywilbankswellness at Facebook 
and Christy Wilbanks on Instagram and Twitter. All right. And just quickly, what moves and shakes you, Catherine? I move and shake when I see clients and students make the connections that they don't have to be tied to rules and specific exercises when they realize that they can adopt a healthy lifestyle that helps them to live by my motto, there's always room for ice cream and chocolate. Yes, and I do love ice cream and chocolate. I don't eat it that often, but when I want it, I eat it. And that's what that's what we're talking about, just that yes, balance. Absolutely. So it's really important to remove those labels and the judgment about the food and your body and consider some of the words, because some of the words we say to ourselves are not so nice. So one tip that I have for the listeners is consider if you would say that what to a child, mm. to you know your daughter, to a friend. If you're saying words or judgment to yourself or judging foods, like why why can't you have this? Remove the judgment. Mm-hmm. Remove the judgment. Excellent tip. All right. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much. To- for joining me today. This has been so much fun. Again, we've learned about each other. We've shared some information. So hopefully our listeners have enjoyed it. And I will see you in yoga. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving.